Well, I hope you are uh, got your Bible with you. You're going to jump right into Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians 5.22 this morning. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is one of those passages that really define who we should be. Uh, One that we really need to slow down on and and think it through. Uh, Ask God to show us these things in His nature. And ask how do we bring these things into our life keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about the nourishing fruit that God is uh, and that He's providing to us here. It is a picture of what, uh, what our life looks like, of what our lives can be like when Jesus rescues us from the muck and mire of our flesh, the desires that we have, the works of the flesh, and the works of the fruit of the Spirit, the difference there. These are opposing forces that Paul lays out for us to see. The works of the flesh seem overwhelming in many ways. You know, Paul lists out some of those things right before the fruit of the Spirit, and they are of the flesh, things not of God. A very rugged picture of what life is outside of Christ, what it looks like and what it feels like. And he ends with a list of, uh, of words, things like, you know, this this uh, a catchphrase that shows us that there are more things in this world that are not of God. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a fitting way to end the terrible list. He lists a whole bunch of stuff and he says, and there's more. You know, especially when you realize the evil that is around us. And it's truly all around us. And if we would be honest with ourselves, many of these things are, are within us, are, you know, as well. And we have to work through those things. The things that we do or the things that we have been, you know, been doing or things that maybe have been done to us, the wounds that are inflicted on others or happen to us, it surrounds us. But thankfully, Paul doesn't stop there. He offers hope, the hope of Jesus Christ. The list of the things of the flesh to, uh, you know, to, to a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful list of, of, uh, of like, a, you know, the fruit of an orchard. He takes us, you know, from the trash-filled alleyway. It is a picture of what our lives look like before God, filled with junk. Somehow He changes us into a beautiful orchard full of the fruit of God. This contrast is key to Paul's teaching here. He is trying to show us a big Christ, a gracious Christ, a pure Christ. Any God can, can turn alloy trash into a fruit garden is a God that I want to know and one, and one to really be worshipped. No matter how dark and sinister our lives are, we can be transformed into, you know, by grace into His clean, beautiful, fresh, and new, sweet and nourishing and delicious, delightful fruit. Paul makes mention of the the cross in verse 24 also. He says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Here we see once again Paul bringing up the cross. He seems to not go too many verses without turning it back to Calvary. It's all about the gospel. 
It is all about the cross. It is all about what Christ has done for you and I. It is what we can't do on our own. It is how Jesus closed the gap between between us and God. Our sin was too great for us to make it up. And yet Jesus came for us on the cross. He died for us. He absorbed the wounds and the sins. His blood was shed for us. And Paul is constantly bringing it back to the cross, to a message of the gospel. Because at the cross, all my sin, all my terrible mess gets turned into a beautiful thing because of Jesus. He brings me to the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. He brings me to life. He brings me to a new life. He brings me to new fruit. It's important that we understand what we talked about last week. Paul uses a singular here. It is not fruits of the Spirit. It is fruit of the Spirit. Because all these characteristics come bundled together. It's like a package, you know, a package deal. He doesn't give us an option of saying, well, you know, I have a few of these things, but I wasn't really blessed with patience. So that's just not my thing. (laughs) You can't do that. You can't say, I'm really good at faithfulness. I have that one down. I mean, I show up on time. I am reliable, but my kindness, ah, That really just stinks. I'm just not really kind. I just didn't get that one. I mean, when it was dished out, I wasn't in that line. It's not my fault. Some have it. Some don't. I don't. But see, in Galatians, Paul doesn't give us that option. I'm faithful, but I'm not very kind. Well, according to this, it turns out that being faithfully, what you're doing is you're being faithfully unkind. Or this. You know, I'm very self-controlled. I mean, I have it down, but I'm not very loving. You know what that is? That's called a drill sergeant. We don't get these options because these are holistic attributes of a Christian person that grow together. There's an interplay between love and patience and goodness and kindness and self-control. They all go together. We can't split them apart. They act together in unison as one. With the, you know, the Holy Spirit helped them show through our lives and our personalities. You know, last week we talked about, uh, you know, how to describe wine. How it can be so complex and all these different attributes, yet it's just one drink. Certain flavors hit you at different times. The, the smell, the, you know, uh, w- w- when it hits the tip of your tongue and as you swallow the palate, it, it has all these flavors. It's layered and you can't take one flavor uh, out or you can't change it because it's interwoven. That is a picture of the fruit of the Spirit. One fruit of a, a beautifully balanced, complex flavors, elaborately woven together. So let's look at some of those flavors today. Because each flavor has its own complexity all by itself. It's not like, you know, it's not uh, like patience is, is like, you know, I got a good, st- you know, I got good at standing in line. I, you know, I, I'm really good at this whole six feet away in the store. And, uh, you know, it's not like that. Well, the first flavor is agape, love. So much could be said about this. It is the most fundamental characteristics of Jesus Christ. It is a kind of love that gets, it gets to the heart of everything we are about. 
and it lies at the core of the Spirit-filled life. Without agape, without love, we literally have nothing. We just have a social club, a place where you know, we're shooting for certain morals or, or virtues. If we don't have love, we don't have anything. This means to open ourselves up and, and serving someone for the intrinsic value of who they are, as opposed to using it to, to make us feel good about ourselves. It is making yourself vulnerable in love. The opposite of agape is not hatred. The opposite of agape is self-protection. It's holding back. It's withholding yourself in, in a relationship or a friendship. You stay closed up. Agape love is sacrificial love. You know, there, there's no punctuation in the Greek. Uh, some scholars believe the, the list should start with love and then have a colon, and then the eight others describe the word love because you can't do anything without love. Have you ever had someone be impatient with you without love? I mean, you see it in their knuckles. I mean, they, you know, they, uh, uh, you know, we need to be careful not to lose the patient part of love. Now, the second one is joy, kara in the Greek. It carries with it the idea of valuing something because it needs to be valued. It's very similar to love. Just because of its being, you hold joy in it. It has, has a deepness to it. It is a sheer beauty of, of God and joy. It doesn't depend on the circumstances we are in because life is interesting. One day we're on top, and the next day it's like a roller coaster, and we're just hanging on for dear life. I can remember one time coming across a large lake in Canada. We were out fishing. My family goes to Canada fishing every year, and, and uh, uh, this year we're, I think we're going to have to go somewhere else because Canada's not open, but we're still going to try to do the trip, and I'm hoping to be able to bring my son on the trip, and it'll be a lot of fun. But, but this one year in Canada, it was in a large lake, and a storm had come up really quickly. And, and my dad was pretty freaked out, you know. And we're trying to make it back to the cabin. Waves are bigger than the sides of the boat. So we would go down in the dip and the wave, you'd look up and you'd just see the wave of, above the boat. And my dad was just hanging on for dear life. His knuckles were completely white as he was driving the boat. Right before this, I'd caught the biggest fish of the trip. My dad, you know, had this look of happiness on his face. Well, that look was gone at this point. See, life is a journey of ups and downs and joy, kara. It delights in God no matter where you are on the path. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is not a circumstance. Joy is a belief that God is in control. It is delighting in God despite the circumstances. The third, the third attribute is peace. In Greek, it's irene. In English, we have this name Irene for this, and, and the flavor is a very interesting one. We usually think of peace as ridding your life of all worry and stress, getting rid of all anxiety and conflict. And if you just position yourself in the right way, in such a way as to minimize these things, well, you have peace. Peace is achieved. Well, that might be a cool thing to shoot for, but the Bible is pretty clear. That's not going to happen. Certainly not for very long. Irene doesn't mean that. Rather, it's the confidence and trust of God's wisdom in control of your life. Think about this for a second. The New Testament never promises a worry, stress-free you know, life. Not once. It beckons us to, to hang on to God when, when all this stuff happens. If we do that, 
this flavor will grow and become evident in our life. And when that happens, what happens? What does it bring? Peace. You know, when, when my wife was pregnant, Lisa was pregnant with Brandon, she had complications. We we'd just turned 40 and we were having a child. And so our doctor was keeping a close eye on things. But then she had some friends growing along with Brandon called fibroids. Six were fifth size and, and the seventh was like eight inches around. So every time we'd go into the doctor's office, we would check in. And before I could say anything, they would be like, oh, we got you checked in. They knew us because we were going there so often. But our doctor was really concerned about everything. Talked about having the head of their, their doctor's group in, her, in with her during delivery, and they were trying to work it out because it was right before Christmas and all that. And we talked through all the possible outcomes. And one thing that amazed our doctor was that we didn't seem concerned. But we were concerned, but we were at peace with everything that was going on. I mean, Lisa looked like she was having triplets. She was not having a fun time. But we knew that everything was going to be all right no matter what happened. So the day came for the, the C-section and we went in and, and of course, complications happen. And, and literally as soon as, uh, as soon as the first complication happened, they ushered me out of the room and, and uh, you know, where, where Brandon was born at the operating room. But Lisa had bled a lot. And, and when I went back in there, there was even blood on the ceiling from, well, I don't want to get, all, you know, a rag was flung or whatever. But, but we were still at peace. The doctor even said afterward that we were so calm. Well, our faith has led us to a place where we knew God was in control. So in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of what we, you know, people would be stressing out on, we could be at peace. I mean, Lisa received a lot of blood transfusions over the next few days, but we were at peace because God was in control. Peace is confidence and trust of God's wisdom in control of your life. Peace comes into our lives and, and out of our lives, and others can, can see the peace of God in us when it happens. Now, the fourth one is forbearance or patience. It is a Greek word. It's a compound word, uh, macrothumia. It's, it's similar to peace. It doesn't deny the existence of anger and frustrations. I mean, these things are, are really real. I mean, Margaret Thatcher once said, I am extraordinarily patient as long as I get my own way in the end. I mean, don't we all feel that way? Living life in the Holy Spirit, God says this to us. Macro, big, you know, space is, is created both in time and physical space. So you have the macro, you, then you have thumia, which literally means a, vi, a violent, angry wind. So let me explain it to you this way. There is Alan, the calm Alan. The out-fishing Alan, the catching the big fish Alan, the, the chilling Alan, the at-rest Alan, enjoying the, you know, the biggest fish of the day Alan, you know. Then there's the Alan, the Mount St. Helens Alan, the one that gets frustrated, the one that gets angry, the one that gets very sarcastic when he gets hacked off. What macrothumia does is create space between fishing Alan and Mount St. Helens Alan. One is over there and the other is over there. And now that I have space, now that I have time, now that I have you know, distancing between uh, my two uh, personalities in a sense, 
Here's the thing about macrothumia. It is not like it just elongates the fuse. Okay, well, let's separate it, and now the fuse is 20 feet longer, and we can light it. No, 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 no. So, you, you know, it, it's a, it, in that space, the Holy Spirit comes and gives you understanding. It may give you sympathy or empathy of the situation. This is what patience is according to the Bible. It is a space created by the Holy Spirit to give you time to understand, to give you time to give grace and mercy to the point where you say to yourself, this person that I'm really upset with, they're just having a bad day. Or they've been roughed up their whole life, and this is why they're acting like this. And you can give empathy or sympathy and grace. Macrothumia. Now, many of us at this point are thinking, man, I don't really have any of these. Well, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It comes from God. You know, not our perfectly disciplined life or how great we are, or how good my rule following is and my religion. It is called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It comes from God. The fifth attribute is kindness. Cres otes. This is more than, than just being a, a, you know, a nice, considerate person. It carries a very strong streak of generosity with it. You know, Christostes uh, people are very generous people, generous in spirit, delighting in seeing others do well. Both my father and Lisa's father had this type of attribute in them. My father would do anything for someone if he felt it would help them. I saw the same thing I, I saw over the years as Lisa's father was living with us and so forth, and I saw it beforehand too, but especially when he was living with us. He would do the same thing. He would be very you know, gracious. And then he would anonymously give to people to help them out, to get a leg up. And he would just sit back and enjoy seeing them do well. This involves time and money and being kind. These people are not small people. These people are not petty people. In Luke's gospel, Jesus actually uses the word to describe a, a fine wine. He said, basically, it is smooth. The bite has gone out of it. It is mellowed with age. From that, you get a sense that through the help of the Holy Spirit, the fruit is supposed to make us more and more kind as we get older, as we walk with Him. You know, it's interesting. You know, you have those people that age well and, and they just, as they get older, they just become kind. And everybody's like, man, you know, they become the grandparents in a sense to everyone. They're just so good and gracious and kind and, and all those things. And then you get the ones that you're sitting there going, man, I don't want to cross that old person. They'll give you, you know, the, <laughs> they'll give you a piece of their mind. And you see the, the, the difference between growing in the spirit and being like the world. Well, the sixth one is goodness. It's like agathosunes or something like that. Agathosunes. I can't always pronounce all these Greek words and stuff. But English really limits us here. It's more than just being good. It is integrity. It is being the same person in every situation. Being sincere, being honest. Not a Christian on Sunday, but on Monday, I'm just somebody differently throughout the week, you know. Recently, I had to replace an electronic device at my house, and it was kind of pricey. I really didn't want to, but I needed to. So I bit the bullet and brought, uh, bought the pricier one so it would last longer, last more years and so forth. You know, Amazon delivered it to my porch. You know, thank, uh, thank you, Amazon, you know. 
Uh, so it all worked out. Well, two days later, another package shows up on my porch from Amazon. It was the exact same thing. I looked at it, uh, you know, I looked into it and stuff, looked at my account and saw that I definitely only ordered one and only paid for one, so they accidentally shipped me two of them. I mean, one, of me is, uh, one side of me was like, wow, okay, I could, I could use this. But then the other side of me said, no, you need to go deal with the pain, contact them. And have you ever tried to contact like Amazon? And stuff? Uh, you know, with the pain of sending it back. And as I was doing this, I showed Brandon what was delivered. And he said, wow, you got two of them? I said, no, they accidentally sent me a second one. But I got to send this one back. And he was, his response was, well, that is the right thing to do. Man, I was so proud that he understood this concept. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Integrity is important fruit for the Jesus follower. The same person when no one is looking. The same person in darkness and light. The same person at church and at home. The same person in town, you know, as you're at your job, as you are on your vacation. This is goodness. Loving, peace-filled goodness. Now, the seventh one we have is faithfulness. Uh, the word is uh, peachtees. It is dependability. It is reliability. It's, it's somebody who is true to the word. Someone, you know, uh, other people can really depend on. Faithful servants of Christ changing the world. Now, the eighth one we have is gentleness. Uh, protest. Uh, doesn't mean quiet and soothing. It really means you are humble. You forget about yourself. You're not focused on you. You're focused on others. You walk into a room and you're already other-centered. It's multi-layered. You even hold back when you are right. Have you ever been right in an argument? Raise your hand if you're right in the argument. Okay, all the ladies. Okay, you raised your hand. I get that. Okay. All the men, keep your hands down. Now, if you're in a conflict and you can really bring the hammer down, you are on the correct side of this issue. In fact, you may even be on the moral virtue uh, side of this issue. You know, but gentleness means you hold back. You become soft and loving like Jesus. You can pounce and gentleness says, wait, stop, don't do that. Now, finally, we have self-control. This covers a lot of ground in its meeting, but here's what is important. It literally means saying no to your desires, to your body, to your mind. This is what the Greek means, saying no. It is spirit-empowered. Your body tries to order you around all the time. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Think this. Say that. Feel this. And it's constantly pushing stuff on you. And the fruit of self-control says no. You know, this past week, my wife and I, we had an issue we thought we'd solved. We even uh, had a backup uh, plan when, uh, where, where someone said they would do something in case this other part fell through. Well, the first part of the plan fell through. And we were like, oh, man, that's one we really, ah, we wanted that. We wanted to be able to do that the way that was set up, and, and it just didn't work out. So Lisa and I thought, well, good. Well, it's not what we wanted, but at least we you know, had, a back, you know, had the, the foresight to, to have a backup plan. So we talked with our person, you know, our backup plan person. And they said, oh, I know I promised that to you and said yes, but I can't do that now. 
And they went on to explain what happened, which really was the fact that they did what they did without any thought as to what they'd already told us. So now our backup plan was blown. Uh, you know, blown. Now, morally, I, am the, uh, you know, I have the right to say something here. They said yes to the plan. Now they're saying no. I even have the, the proof through texting back and forth as to what was said. So I'm in the right. But the Holy Spirit kept telling me, be gentle, Alan. I know what you want to say to them. And yes, you would be correct in saying it, but don't do this. Don't, do, you know, because I wanted to get on that phone and start texting. Give them a piece of my mind. I know this is your decision. It's a wrong decision. And look at the place you put us into because of this. You know, I wanted to go through all that, but I didn't. Now, this is where self-control comes into play. Do I do what my mind and body says to do? Or do I go the way of God? Now, as I give these examples about myself, I don't want you to get the sense of idea that I always choose right. Because there are many instances where I don't have the self-control or something and I do wrong and I have to go back and ask for forgiveness. But I'm trying to give you different, you know, different ideas of, of how we do these things, how we go through these things. So I have to decide, do I go the way of God? So what do you think I chose? I told them what I thought. Okay, no, I didn't really. I wanted to, but I didn't. Self-control kicked in, and I complained to myself, I complained to my wife, but I didn't call the person out on it. It is good to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit on these things. It's like when you, uh, you know, the old days you could write a letter, put it in your desk, and wait a day, and come back to it and read it and go, do I really want to send this? Now we just send it instantly through text or email or whatever, and we don't have that waiting period, that waiting time. But it's good to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit on these things. Sometimes the Holy Spirit has to say no many times to us for us to be able to listen. The fruit of self-control says, no, Alan, not, you're not going to eat that. No, Alan, you're not going to fill that. No, Alan, you're not going to go there. No, no you're, you're not going to think that. No, Alan, you're, you're not going to buy that. No, Alan, you're, you're not going to look at that. No, you're not going to say that. The Holy Spirit has to come and kind of put a stop to certain things in our lives. And it's a good thing when the Holy Spirit says no, just as good as it is when he says yes on certain things. Now, that is a lot to take in. All you should be shaking your head yes at the TV or at the device you're watching. So, so let me try this again. That is a lot to take in, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is more than just a verse about the fruit of the Spirit. and It encompasses so much. We read this and we start thinking about our new life in the Spirit. And we have to ask ourselves, Self, what would life look like if my life actually looked like this fruit? That's an interesting question. Agape. What, it would, you know, what it would, would it look like if I were able to love selfishly? Just for the value of somebody else. Or what if I love, uh, you know, love that, or what if I was loved that way? What, what if in the church people loved each other this way? A lot of conflict would go away, wouldn't it? Or joy. What would happen if my life just... Uh, it wasn't just yanked around mercilessly by the circumstances and just being pulled and pulled, that, that I wasn't depressed or discouraged because things have gone sideways, but that I had no choice 
to follow along? How would I change if this flavor would come to the surface in my life? Or what if I could fall asleep at night because, because I have such peace? I could go through the day and night without anxiety because I know that you are in control of things. Or patience. Would it look like if I actually waited on God to provide instead of taking matters into my own hand? If space would come into a, to the equation before I acted and, and, and gave us time to really think and allow God to come into the, to, to the thing. Self-control. What would life be like if I could take a drink without getting drunk or have a conversation without gossiping or buying something without going bonkers and just buying and buying and buying? What would my life look like if all of this was working and flowing out of me in greater and greater degrees. I tell you what it would look like. It would look like Jesus. Your life would look like Christ. And this is what we are after. This is where, where, we're, you know, where, where He is taking us. Not, uh, not poetic, you know, wishful, sentimental stuff. Paul is not a, uh, you know, a, the, uh, a theatician here. He, Paul is just uh, painting a portrait to hang, you know, or not just you know, hanging a portrait to hang above our mantle. And we just kind of walk by and look at it ever so often. Completely unaffected, completely unlived, you know, untried and untested, collecting dust somewhere. All the while we're living our life at a much lower level than the Spirit of God is longing for us to have. Walking in the Spirit, keeping step with Him, year after year, triumph after failure. This is you and me partnering with our loving Jesus, and He brings us to Himself. We become partners. Now, if it were me, this is where I would end the letter. But Paul doesn't. He goes right into the application, right into living out the fruit of the Spirit in a community life. Now, I'm going to stop here just because of time, but next week we're going to cover the rest. We're going to cover how the fruit of the Spirit works itself out in the community life. Because it's not just a theory. It is what we're supposed to look like in the community as we interact with each other, as we help each other as we bear one another's burdens, as we love each other, as each of us freely give the fruit of the Spirit away to others as they interact with us in this world. They get a taste of God. Let's pray. Lord, there's so much here in the fruit of the Spirit. I pray that that, that over time we start to understand different attributes here, that it all really encompasses in that agape love. If we could just love each other and love this world the way you did it, all these attributes would come out. I would be more patient and be more kind and, and have more goodness. I would choose the ways of God versus the ways of man. Lord, I pray that you, uh, that you uh, wake us up to what you know, to how you want us to live in this world, how you want us to change to be more like you, and each and every day, that as we go through this life, we become a better and better picture of who you are, as we act out your will on this world. 
Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may it shine on you like it never has before. May you be the light that leads to Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You guys have a wonderful week.